Series products have on the real world. And now, our feature presentation.
listening to CITR 101.9 FM, broadcasting to you live from the unceded and stolen Musqueam territory on UBC campus. My name is Ruby Raven. Welcome to Arts Report. Today I'm here with my hosting apprentice, Serena. <laughs> Hello. And my childhood friend from camp, Aiden Alto. Hello, everybody. Hi, Aiden. Welcome. Thank you for having me. So today's a special episode because we have Aiden, who is our very special guest, but also our little May finals hiatus has ended where we didn't really have a lot of content Mm -hmm. because people were tired. So today (laughs) we have um, uh, a lot of content from the Vancouver Short Film Festival. Clara has done a review and so has Jack, as well as um, a review of a play called The First May Tea. Uh, so, but before we we jump into things, I'm wondering how everyone's doing. How are you feeling? Um, did you wake up this morning feeling rested? Like I want to check in. <laughs> Who should go first? Aiden, I guess I'm already speaking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I I honestly did feel so rested waking up. It was one of those mornings where I could have easily gotten up and started the day, but instead I decided to just hang out in my room. Mm-hmm. I woke up at like nine. Got yeah. out of the room at like 11. Oh, nice. Noodled around on my guitar and then um, took a long shower. <laughs> like, yeah. Like like an expensive shower. Right, you know right, I mean? right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, no, and you're okay. you're you're not paying the water bill. You're staying with I'm your not, uncle and aunt I'm right a, now. Everybody. So I'm you are. That's on their dime. <laughs> <laughs> Completely. I'm staying with my uncle and aunt. They're nice enough to put me up rent free. So I'm a freeloader in BC. Yeah. It's amazing. That is I'm, really No nice. shame. No shame. What about you? Maybe a little shame. Yeah, maybe. You know what? Take it down a notch, Hayden. All right, you could you could stand to be a little shameful. Um, I also took an expensive shower today, but it was on my dime. Right. Maybe a little less like reveling in it. Yeah, a little less luxurious. Yeah. I don't know. I woke up. I woke up feeling feeling a lot. The way my room is, it's like the street light pours directly into my room and into my eyes when I'm trying to sleep. Yeah. So unless I'm like exhausted and like passing out you know she's kind of laying there hanging out yeah on the street laying there on the street all the cats and all the people yelling yeah yeah but it's good Good. you know feeling good on a wednesday yeah i feel like i forgot today was wednesday which is weird because this happens every every wednesday Wednesday, this is every other every other wednesday right now we're over the summer bi-weekly um but yeah, yeah, I'm going to a show tonight, so I actually oh, can let's, promote let's that. Oh, let's plug that. Where are you going? Going to the Roxy. Ooh, See, oh my God. It's actually a few bands. One's called Pure Steve. And Farhaven is who I'm going to see. Yeah, your friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what you're telling me yeah, about. Okay, yeah, yeah. so you're on, invited. You're invited. on Friday, Serena was like, you should come to the show on Wednesday. And I was like, I'm hanging out with my friend Aiden on Wednesday. Dude, come. And then I was like, oh, but I'll ask him if he wants to go. But then I forgot to ask you. Well, we'll see. We'll discuss. We'll discuss off the air. Way. We'll discuss I'm, off I'm the air. More than happy. Um, all right, let's get started. Thank you for the check in. I'm glad that. But to the listeners, how are you yeah, feeling? Yeah, I can't forget you. To the oh <laughs> me or the listeners? Oh, no, sorry. Well, like, yeah, Ruby too. Oh, Ruby. I'm. Ruby. I'm, I'm, Ruby. I'm feeling good. I so today I went and visited my grandmother. Wow. My granny. Maggie. On her dime or on yours? <laughs> um, on my dime. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, thanks for checking. Although she did supply me with some biscuits. Wow. But uh, I'm starting this project with her where I'm recording stories of her life. So today was the first session and we started, we're starting with her parents. So she was telling me the story of her um, father who was a soldier in World War One and has the, just this most incredible story, which I, I know it's sort of family lore, but she got really detailed with it parts of it that i'd never heard before so if we have enough time on air today i will tell a story because it's an amazing story so that's what i did today and um i also had some lemongrass chicken wow all right let's jump into clara's review of the vancouver short film festival here we go take it away clara okay love it amazing well thanks for meeting with us um i guess we could just jump right into some of our questions Um, So first we want to hear a little bit about the concept of the film and just in terms of storyline, like where did it come from? Were you working from a personal narrative with the sibling relationship? Are you drawing from any external inspirations? Um, Yeah, well, I wrote this uh, when I was in Lebanon for seven months because of COVID. And it was the first time I had spent that much time with my sister since she graduated. And Mm -hmm. so it like kind of opened up this whole like uh I guess like vault of feelings (laughs) um Mm -hmm. that uh 
yeah that and and it was this was also also the time that I was supposed to be writing my script for the final UBC film and so I kind of like put those two together at the same time as well I found uh I want to say like 50 hours of family home videos in our like Lebanon storage that like everything else was destroyed and these videotapes stayed intact somehow like because there was like rats there was water damage like nothing survived except these videotapes and so during quarantine when I came back from Canada to Canada I had to be in a room for two weeks so I was literally just going through this 50 hours of footage and I was like um so uh I guess like inspired like um I don't know how much you guys know about the film but there's like an aspect of it that's a that's uh the little sister's uh uh I guess interpretation of her older sister through her video so we we see a lot of like video footage Mm -hmm. but it's uh yeah and then the little sister is a filmmaker and she like you know shoots her sister like doing cute things and like that's how she sees her kind of so that's where I got that idea from Uh, and is your sister older my sister is older um my sister and I have both um gone through a lot of like mental health battles and stuff so there's been times where I have had to be the older sister and there's times where she's had to be the older sister just in terms of like Mm -hmm. who's responsible and who's you know got their shit together Mm -hmm. um uh yeah so it's kind of been like so I want to say for uh my two characters um I pulled from both me and my sister's experiences. Like the older sister, uh, like I feel for her just as much as I feel for the younger mm-hmm. sister. If that makes sense. Yeah. 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 This is a really interesting concept. That's so cool to see that, like how this is. Yeah. That's really amazing. Yeah. Um. I. I. I like made it two years ago. It was like my final final UBC film. Um, so now looking back, I obviously have um, qualms as a filmmaker does with their movie, but I do, I am really proud of it. And now when I got into the for, uh, Vancouver Short Film Festival, I rewatched it again for like the first time in like over a year. And I was like, this is cool. Like, I don't know. I was a little proud of myself. <laughs> so, oh, that's awesome. You know, so I'm, nice. I'm happy. I'm excited. We're really excited to see it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's really cool that there were like actual instances in your life, like COVID happening and then being in Lebanon and then having this access to stuff that you weren't expecting, which kind of inspired how you put the film together. Um, But in general, is this kind of like family style insight into an intimate relationship, something that you normally do when you're filmmaking? Or is this like a genre that's not your typical? How do you feel as a filmmaker, like with this film? Is it does it feel like something that you usually do? Um, I think, yes, I think family dynamics and especially dysfunctional family dynamics are like where I thrive. Hmm. Um, my first film was about um, a girl, a 16 year old girl dealing with her alcoholic mother at her 16, uh, her 16th birthday. And hmm. um, and uh, the things that I write as well are very like um, family oriented, family based. Uh, none of none of them are actually like word for word verbatim, like what I went through. It's definitely just like taking a piece of my life and just um, dram- dramatizing it and like mm-hmm. adding different characters and adding obviously. But um, I do, I, I don't know why I think I thrive in this like, uh, in this space of like trying to understand family dynamics and trying mm-hmm. to, um, and like the switch of like the switch of family dynamics that is not often um expected Mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah let those make sense wow it's really cool I'm excited to see how you take like a snapshot of this like sort of moment I guess and see how it expands into like a bigger picture of what the family dynamic is and just like constant themes I guess that you'll see in in any dysfunctional like in, in a dysfunctional family Thank you. Yeah, I'm cool concept. I'm still working on. Uh, yeah, I'm still writing. I'm currently writing like more family oriented things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but debutante was definitely one of, like my best work thus far and like uh, has pushed me to continue. If that makes sense. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. I'm really excited to see this film now. <laughs> yeah, I'm also very excited. <laughs> I'm I'm actually sad I couldn't I can't be there like when it's shooting because I haven't seen it in person uh, like on a th- in a theater at all because our premiere was COVID so yeah it was all online so I couldn't see like reactions and stuff so I 
I was I'm gonna try really hard to make it like I don't know how but <laughs> if not whatever I'll make it work yeah you do make it work that is just kind of how those things go sometimes but it's still really awesome that you get to watch it in a festival yeah yeah um, and speaking of, Thank so you. is this um, your first time in the festival or? Um, yeah, actually, it's this uh, debutante got into the. It's not my fir- it's not my first time as like a filmmaker. It's my first time as a director. I don't know if you guys know about Glass Doll. Uh, that's another no. one of the shorts that is oh. going to be at uh, Vancouver Short Film Festival. I produced it. Uh, my friend Omarose Osai. Oh, wow. Oh, nice. Um, and that one uh, we've we've gone to a couple of festivals for that. So I have experience with festivals. I also uh, was in the VIF Catalyst program. So I went to all of VIF and I like went to all the events. So I have experience with festivals, just not as a director yet. So this will be wow. kind of my that's first. Amazing. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. Directorial debut. Thank you. That's awesome. And debutante. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so what are you studying in film because you've produced before? Are you interested more in production or in directing? Um, well, I graduated, um, in 2021, but I, um, I'm more into directing for sure. I write and direct, uh, Mm -hmm. I, I, I could almost say I I write to direct just because I really love directing. Um, Mm -hmm. but as of right now, I'm working, um, along with trying to like, uh, to boost my like directorial career I'm also working um, with my friend as a production design duo and we are like production designing commercials and shorts and anything wow. uh, and like trying to build our business doing that uh, as as I and I recently like two months ago uh, directed a, a commercial for a vintage store in Langley and I'm currently editing that and then hopefully that'll be my directorial debut into commercials and then yeah kind of seeing how that goes wow amazing it sounds like you have a lot of exciting things on your plate which is so cool but it's awesome that the Vancouver Film Festival gets to be like something that's your first directed film and you get to actually have that be shown and have people watch that um note because we're coming to some of the end of our time slot do you have a key message of the film that you want to impart on viewers? Did you have an intention for how it's received? Do you have thoughts about what people should expect going into it? Um, I honestly, I, I don't. I I think I kind of just want the, the viewers to like experience it with no message. This is not a, it's not a complicated story. It's not super like deep thought or anything like that. It's just a simple like two sisters trying to like deal with their real lives and mm-hmm. it's it's definitely not um I don't know let me let me think a little bit yeah I honestly don't think that like my characters are not specific I kind of wanted it to be like a blanket interpretation of something that a lot of people go through in a many different ways mm-hmm. and uh, I wanted like a lot of people to relate to this because it is a short film and because like adding a lot of intricacies might make it uh convoluted i kind of just wanted it to be to speak to people that was my my intention and i hope that people see that i think yeah. that's a lovely intention i also think exposing something as kind of natural and primal and real as a sibling relationship just means that everyone will take it in a different way people who have mm-hmm. siblings people who don't people who have really close friendships and relationships it's just reflective in all ways and that's really cool and I'm excited to see what I can take from it I'm really excited yeah, yeah. based off of the case we're gonna resonate with this work yeah yeah thank you so much I'm, I'm excited to see what you guys think like reach out let me know percent. <laughs> Um, well, we'll be there the next day. So maybe we'll see you if you're watching yeah. other films on the Saturday. Yeah, Glass Doll actually shows on Saturday. So I'll be there for sure. And okay, so maybe we will run into each other. I hope so. So that we can t- talk to you about how it was to see your film. Perfect. Excited. <laughs> Very excited. Hey. Um, well, that wraps us up for now. Beautiful. All right, we're back. That was Serena. Do you want to tell us what that was? That was um, Izzy and Zoe's interview with Clara, mm-hmm. who was the director of Debutante, um, which is debuting Friday, June 2nd for VSFF. Vancouver Short Film Festival. Yeah. 
Um, awesome. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. no. Um, I love when Vancouver has these film festivals. Did you hear that? Yeah. Was the gulp? <laughs> that was that was so that wild. wasn't um, no. that was actually was Aiden. Like I don't think that that was like... that was that was almost it was a borderline internal burp. You just burp. really love when Vancouver has these film festivals. <laughs> like, you're just like it uncontrollably makes me want to yeah, it makes me want to physically gulp. love it. Um, but yeah, no, I love when Vancouver has these small film festivals because people are always like Vancouver has no culture blah blah blah. People say that. Oh my god. And I'm like, I'm look sure. around. Like there's so many things to do that like there's multiple things to choose from on a weekend you don't know which one to go to. like I'm from calgary I, yeah no one says that yeah <laughs> so yeah i think it's really important to go to these festivals and support the local artists because uh, we don't sometimes you know vancouver goes through seasons where um things disappear like cultural yeah. landmarks disappear like bullet farm or yeah, we little mountain that. gallery so um go out and, and uh go check out vancouver short film festival because i guarantee you're gonna see some stuff that uh you wouldn't see on Hulu. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next up, we have J- Jack's interview. Do you want to interview yeah, with Jack? Yeah. So we have um, the interview with Jack, which is also by Izzy and Zoe. Um, and he directed a film called When Will This Story End, which is debuting also this weekend on Saturday, June 3rd, um, which is going to be mostly about the concept of the film and its development artistically. Um, and about the family dynamics in his movie. Oh, that sounds really interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, Zoe and Izzy, take it away. Thank you for joining us today and giving us some of your time. We're yeah. excited to hear more about your film. So, um, of course. We have excited some, for the offer. So, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. We have a bit of the uh, synopsis of just kind of what what you've put together, mm-hmm. but. To talk about going into the festival, we're interested to know, to start, how some of the concept came together. Were you Mm -hmm. working from, like, a personal sibling relationship? How did that Mm -hmm. dynamic come in? And just kind of how how did the story start? Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely did come from a personal sibling dynamic. I think that's probably the most personal part about it. The more, like, superfluous or, like, the more, like, one part of the idea came from when I was a kid, I had a camp counselor that used to tell us um, scary stories. Mm. And when it was getting kind of scary, he would like stop and be like, okay, now everyone raises their hand and they're like, okay, now someone adds something to the story. So then it would be like, and then the person's like axe was made out of cheese, like just these mm. crazy things. And it would kind of like send it like all over the place. A little improv moment. Yeah, right. He was really good at improv. He really had his job uh, cut out for him. But uh, yeah, so that's where that kind of like idea for the story structure came from. And then uh, I have a little brother. And so it's also kind of about that conflict you have with your siblings when you're kids. Yeah. Sort of like how you don't like especially because we were like brothers we weren't really like articulating how much we like actually like cared about each other and you sort of had to as a kid you kind of have to read into their actions more which is like a hard thing to do as a child totally so um yeah sorry yeah wow that all sounds i just rambled a bunch (laughs) no No, that was great that's a that's that was that sounds like a really great blend of um, themes and emotions that um, the audience is going to leave with. Um, do you, is there like a certain genre, I guess, does it fit under any specifics genre or like what can we expect? Do we expect horror? Do we expect um, heartfelt? Um, I have been calling it a horror comedy. Mm-hmm. It's probably, it's probably more of like a family comedy than anything, I would say. Um, yeah. Wow. As someone with siblings also, I totally understand how that dynamic can play into that. And that is cool that it's kind of a comedy. Um, but it is, we've noticed that on the listing for the Vancouver Short Film Festival, that it's mm-hmm. kind of like mm-hmm. this after dark spookier section. So mm-hmm. I guess that's mm-hmm. kind of the horror part of it as he's like telling a horror story to his siblings. Um mm-hmm what makes it is it just the sibling relationship that makes it funny is it not so scary because it's kind of surface level like what makes it play into both of those genres well yeah like I think it's kind of 
I guess the reason why it's hard to categorize genre wise is like the the one character is like trying to make it a horror like in a sense like he wants mm-hmm. the film to be a horror film um so the older brother is like telling a scary story and then his younger sisters are like actively trying to not make it a horror and so I think that's also where the comedy kind of comes into it like mm-hmm. what I was trying to do is like they're like trying to make it ridiculous and like save the main character and stuff like that by like putting in these kind of silly things yeah yeah Yeah. that's a really great way to demonstrate kind of like sibling rivalry and just like differences between I also have a sibling as well um so I'm really excited to see how that plays out on screen I think that's a great way to demonstrate that that's an interesting narrative also to kind of have it like jumping back and forth and not be a strict plot line was that fun to play around with it was super fun. It was really fun. After I like wrote it, I was like, whoa, <laughs> I'm so original. <laughs> and then, nice. <laughs> and then I, I like finished, sure. like I wrote the first draft and we do like draft like feedback in class. And someone yeah. was like, this is kind of like that Adam Sandler click movie. And I'm like, what? And there's like some movie where Adam Sandler has like a magic remote. And I guess it like he like pauses a story or the kids in that like interrupt the story as well. Mm. Anyway, side change it. Yeah, it, it was it was super fun. And I think it helped to like not get stuck uh, narratively because you can always just kind of switch things around. You know, it's yeah. like a free card. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Um, can you tell us a little more about that writing process? Were you writing with a group of people or was it on your own? How did this story, I guess, come about in terms of building the actual storyline to it uh it was with a group it was so it was through my uh third year uh film production course so it was like a third year film uh class project essentially um so in that class which runs the whole year it's like the first half of the year is just like development and like working on the script so there's like six scripts in our group and everyone kind of like read them each week to kind of like slowly build them more and more and I mean before that like I spent the whole summer writing it too so I kind of came in with a base and then kind of refined refined it um with my classmates wow yeah that's awesome um and that's must have been such a rewarding kind of experience to put that back and forth and then have it now shown at a short film festival, which is so exciting. Is this your first experience with a festival, having one of your films in? How do you feel about it? It is. Um, uh, It's, yeah, the first one I've had one in, not the first like I've gone to, but it's, um, I don't know, it's crazy. It's kind of like, it's a mixture. It's like definitely kind of freaky because I'm like, oh gosh, I'm going to have to get on stage. Yeah. Do this kind of convo in front of a bunch of people. But then obviously it's super exciting because like yeah, audience with everyone watching it, um, you're going to be able to see all these other films, which is super cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know. Nice. And have other people seen the film before? Is this its debut? This is its debut. This is its yeah, so opening premiere. Yeah. Yeah, that is so exciting. Are you bringing um, the other people that you've worked on it with, like at UBC? Are they all going to be there attending and everything? I'm going to bring as many of them as I can. Yeah. It's uh, people have kind of dispersed after graduation, which mm-hmm. is like you know, yeah. <laughs> people went home and like stuff like that. But yeah, whoever wants to come <laughs> can come. Yeah, that is so exciting. We're we're definitely hoping to see it as well. It's cool to be able to talk with you about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you guys going to all of the screenings? Like, are you doing the whole festival? Um, I think we're doing a couple. Yeah, we'll definitely go to a couple. We're going to try mm-hmm. to see yours so that we can, you know, actually review it and be able to have this kind of prelude. And we're also doing a couple of other interviews, but we'll we'll be as as many as we can. It's a really cool opportunity to be able to go to the to the festival. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh, we did have um, another question just about um, the film and its contents. Um, mm-hmm. Is there any sort of message that you're looking for your viewers to leave with? Or are you looking for individual interpretation? Um, mm, that's a good question. 
I guess I really just made it for so to be something that people kind of had a good time with. Yeah. You know, like I think me personally, like when I was creating it, it was about like my brother and mm-hmm. sort of like growing up that way. Mm-hmm. I was kind of like try to scare him and like, you know, there's kind of that dynamic. If people like resonated with that, that's cool. But like mostly it was just to be like a fun 10 minute film to enjoy. Yeah. yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it <laughs> yeah. does. Yeah. And it, it is short. So I totally get what you're saying with that. But I also think even that we both have been able to reflect on our own sibling relationships as you talk about it, it will be cool mm-hmm. that everyone can have their own kind of takeaway. And I think mm-hmm. that is a shared experience of like sort of speaking through a kind of little fights or little arguments when you are young and you're in that relationship because it's hard to express how you really feel. For sure. Element of it. For sure. Um, well, we don't have so much time left for this interview. Is there anything else that you wanted to impart on people who are wanting to go see the film or what they might want afterwards or anything else you want to share with us today? Not off the top of my head. <laughs> I didn't have that. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. But <laughs> they should come out and uh, enjoy the festival, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations on having yeah. your film in that festival. That's so cool. Thank you so much. And thank you for setting this interview up. Yeah, of yeah, course. Thanks for coming and talking to us. We're super excited to see this film, especially after our chat with you. It mm-hmm. sounds like there's a lot of really fantastic dynamics happening that just seem to have a really beautiful marriage with the way that you're speaking about it. So I'm mm. quite excited to see this film. Yeah. yeah. I'll see you yeah yeah for sure you meet in person and chat after yes yeah we definitely can do that well all right we're back on CITR 11.9 FM this is the arts report for those of you just tuning in and what were we just listening to Serena today we were just listening to Izzy and Zoe's interview with Jack who had directed a movie called When Will This Story End? Hmm, I like that title. Right? This weekend, Saturday, June 3rd for VSFF. Yes, Vancouver Short Film Festival. Go check it out. It'll be playing at VIF and other theaters around the city. And I have my childhood friend Aiden. Hi, Aiden. Hi, childhood friend Ruby. <laughs> um, all right, so... And Aiden, Aiden's a hero. We need to yeah, talk about Aiden's, I've, I've been saving this story. Aiden's a hero. <laughs> Um, he he hasn't told us exactly why he's a hero. Just showed up. Hey, I'm your yeah, childhood he's like, friend. I'm a hero. I'm a hero. What Let else? me tell it on the air. So, Aiden, um, if there are any single women listening, oh, um, no, here. Aiden, do you go ahead and tell the Full story name, for them? Date of birth, address, address. bank account. This, this story is purely for personal. Get- no, um, <laughs> I was. Let, let me start from the beginning. I was on a hike with Ruby's twin brother. Heyo, Abe. What a lovely man. And our friend Eric. And we're walking, and we're kind of at the towards the end of the hike. We're pretty tired, and this father comes down. Father, because we saw the baby on his back. How old is this baby? E under a year, easy, <gasps> like fresh, like a baby, like, like a baby, baby, like Ooh. like not speaking, just kind of just oh my observing. God. Wow. No object permanence in sight. Where's the height? Um, where's the height? Yeah. Oh, the hike. The height. <laughs> what is the height, the height of, of the baby? baby? I thought you were asking where's the hype. We I was like, can you calm down? Not every baby. story has to have yes. all this hype. God. So we were on a cedar trail, um, on our way to Kennedy Falls, mm-hmm. um, and it was just like, like beautiful. Highly recommend. Like stunning, stunning, yeah. stunning. But this dad's coming down. He's kind of on an elevated rock on our left as we're passing him. And um, and he waves to us. We wave back. And he slips on the rock. And he starts falling backwards <gasps> onto the baby off the rock <gasps> towards me. So I just, like, I immediately, like, before I really knew what was happening, my hands were on, like, the little baby backpack thing that he had. Yeah. It was pretty structured. But he was falling right on. <gasps> like, there was nothing. If I wasn't there... There would have been a different story. Oh my god! And um, I like, like, just realize that like I catch it and I kind of just counteract the weight and I'm like, I like let it sink into me and I just take the full hit and I'm like watching the kid the whole time and you know no whiplash. Luckily, it was like I made everything kind of work. And um, and he gets up embarrassed. Poor guy. I felt so bad. Probably shouldn't be saying this on, on the air. If he's listening. Name him. <laughs> but, Describe um, but no, the and father. It, and I was like, don't worry, don't worry. He was just like really shaken up. And like we checked the baby to make sure everything was okay. I checked her head. 
and um, and everything was okay. Oh my god! But we're like leaving, and he was just like, "Hey, the girl's back." He's like, "I'm just, I'm really glad you were there. Like, thank you. Uh-huh. Like, I'm never gonna forget this." And I was still like processing what happened. I yeah. turned to my friends. I was like, "Guys, did I actually like save the kid?" Or like, I don't want to be the guy that's like, "I saved the kid." Yeah. And he didn't. You yeah. know? And then they're like, "No, like you fully that that would have been." Like, the kid would have probably died. And I was like, it was freaky. <gasps> oh, my God. God. Like, thinking about it consistently, like, for the past, like, all week. It's just whack. Yeah. Crazy. Wow. But that's my, that's my hero story. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That is brutal. Good job. Thank you. So, yeah, congrats. Wait, wait. So, the dad was slipping backwards. Yeah. So, like, the dad, like, slipped on a rock and, like, kind of tried to put his weight forward. Yeah. And then, like, totally, like, missed and starts, like, oh waving his gosh. arms. So you know when, like, like, on a ledge and you start yeah, waving your yeah. arms to counter yeah. And he just, like, starts falling backwards wow. and right towards us, like, full force. And I was like, uh. Were you standing close enough that you could just put your arms out? Or did you have to run to put your arms out? It was like, uh, how do I put this? I had to, like, turn to my left and just kind of put my arms out a bit. I didn't have to yeah. run, luckily. I was, like, right there. You had to, like, catch. I had to catch. I had to, wow. like, turn and immediately just, like, did locked the, my arms. Did the dad the fall down on his butt or did, yeah, like... Yeah, like, his, his, like, tailbone hit the rock and he slid off. Because it was, like, a like a big rock on yeah. the trail. So he kind of, like, his tailbone hit and then he would have fallen back onto the flat trail. Oh, my um, God. Like, on the kid. And, <gasps> and I was there on that trail that would have, like, that the kid would have fallen on. And that he, his back would have. So, yeah. The kid... It was it was terrifying. And he would have, his life would have. It would have turned upside down. Oh my god! Yeah, it was like crazy. As much as of a core memory as that is for me now, like I cannot imagine as a father and like and I felt bad as of how embarrassed he's like. I'm just so embarrassed. Like I get it, but like don't worry, it's okay. He's never gonna take that baby hiking again. No, no, he's no. never but gonna like, go also, hiking like, that's, again. But dude. that's a like real risk. Like if like yeah, and like he did have a pretty like it was clearly built for hiking, but like nothing would have stopped the force like yeah of him falling like like no matter how structured that is, and I felt the the material of it, it like it would have collapsed under him easy. Oh like my god, yeah, he wasn't a small and dude. the rocks too like it's not oh yeah, it was oh terrain. Landing. There's like roots everywhere. Yeah, uh, like, freaky. That is so. Freaking terrifying. I wish we could swear on air. I'm like really Can holding back right now. No, I don't know. Okay. No, you're good. Oh, we can't okay. we can't swear before nine PM. Yeah. Oh, that's that's kosher. Okay. But <laughs> Yeah, wow, you've done good for yeah. not knowing that. Like <laughs> I know, right? Because yeah, I, I know that and we swear I, constantly <laughs> by accident. Oh my god, Aiden. That is a really, really incredible story. Thank Jesus. You. I like like that's a terrifying story. It was it was freaky, but you know, I'm just glad it was. And yeah, there. like it's... like that man today that man is living a very different life than he would be mm-hmm. if you hadn't been there today yeah very much so i i also feel like he may have not fallen if we weren't there though cuz like he took the time to like turn wave at us say hi and like that was a distraction Whoa. it was like he was watching his feet Whoa. looked up said hi fell and Whoa. i was like yeah no he would have been he probably would have been fine if we weren't there but 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 maybe he would have taken that baby hiking again and had another fall yeah, who and who knows Oh my God! And he was just—he was just solo. No mom. And this sleep. is why when my mother was like a super hyper vigilant mother about us doing dangerous things, I'm like, <laughs> you were right. Was. You were right. Yeah, but those are good memories. Like I remember my mom being like, "Don't go cliff jumping," and I'm like, "But high places. <laughs> yeah, it's fun." But Damn. here we are. I don't know. Oh my God. Um, my brother has a similar story. Um, your when, brother? Yeah, when we were um living in Toronto because me and my brother were born in Toronto. Toronto. Yeah. When we were, I don't know, probably under a year old, maybe 18 months, um, we were walking, uh, we were sitting on our like patio, like our front stoop Mm -hmm. and Abe was like walking down the steps and they were like concrete steps. And my dad like had turned to look at something else and a neighbor who was a teenager or like maybe a 10 year old saw what was happening to Abe and like he was uh, he was slipping and he was like would have hit his head on the concrete oh my God. as like an 18 month year old yeah, that's, but that's he came and he caught him and he didn't hit his head on the concrete oh and like severe wow. and then when we went to Schechter the summer camp we went to he was a counselor there he was Abe's counselor isn't that crazy? What was his name? I can't remember. He's like, I saved your freaking life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wouldn't was be he, here he if it wasn't was for me. Mm, no, I think he was there a little bit earlier okay, than that. Okay. 
But isn't that crazy? That's wild. Yeah. It's moments like those. Yeah. It's like sometimes, I don't know, universe or whatever, but like people oh are just God. there at the right point. Yeah. Like yeah. All the what ifs. Like, oh, what if they weren't? Yeah. But they were. Like, I mean, his life would have been complete, completely different. Like, because he probably would have had like serious brain trauma. Because well, the back of your head's so soft. Like, Especially like, when you're, you're a baby, like yeah. You, yeah. Oh yeah, my god, this baby, is such a so. bleak episode. Yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh. For I all have... of you new parents out there, yeah. take extra care, please. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Damn. Um, okay. On that note, I am. We're gonna play uh, the first May tea, the clip from the review. Can you read about what that is, Serena? Yes, absolutely. So, this is the first May tea man of Odessa. It's a review by Steve. Shout out, Steve. You. Like, Really, honestly, like... We don't know who you are, So Steve. consistently. Yeah. I've never met this person, which is crazy because he's been contributing for the past few few weeks, right? A few episodes. Months, possibly. I don't know. Steve is... He's consistent. He's kind of consistent, keeping Steve. Arts Report alive. Um, We're keeping Arts Report alive. Okay. Lua. Shout out, Lua. Shout out, Lua. Shout out, Steve. You're keeping Arts Report alive. Shout out, Aiden, the hero. Yes, Aiden, who saved this baby's life. Shout out, and you. Shout out. He's like, shut up, guys. Stop it. Stop blushing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this review. So let's head into it. All right. Thank you so much for that intro. Here it is. Hey, it's Steve Horvat again, contributor to the more than fabulous arts report on CATR 101.9 FM on your radio dial. And we are broadcasting from the nest at UBC. Today I'd like to talk a little bit about a play I recently saw at the historic cult called The First Métis Man of Odessa, written and performed by real-life husband and wife Matthew McKenzie and Maria Kumatova. This play is directed by Liana Makuch and runs until June 4th, so there's not that much more time to go check it out. Well, it's a story, a true love story of love amidst the chaos of pandemic and war. And I went to see this play with a little bit of trepidation because I know it's a very heavy, heavy subject matter, but it was done with a very light heart and a delicate balance of serious subject matter and humor. The First Métis Man of Odessa is a true story of love amongst the chaos of the Ukrainian war. And pre-pandemic in 2018, Matthew from Edmonton travels to the Ukraine to take part in a theatrical workshop where he meets Maria, whom he calls Masha. It is the story of perseverance and persistence as they fall in love and become separated because he goes back to Canada and they keep in touch in a long-distance relationship, and then all hell breaks loose as the pandemic grips the world, making travel next to impossible, so we can't really get back to the Ukraine to Sumeria. Though their situation is stressful and uncertain, the two tell the tale with passion and a delicate balance of humor laced with the drama of what's happening to them and in the world, and everything is heightened by the fact that Maria is now pregnant. So they are really quite desperate to get back together. I just love the way that there's so much heart in this play and poetry. I was truly moved by the depth and emotion of this story. The set is really quite simple and the props are so minimal but very, very effective. And there's some back projection which adds a lot of visual impact. There are many levels and questions in this play. One of them being the baby Ivan, what kind of world will he be growing up in? This war and pandemic and all the changes that have occurred. And one of the things that they believe is it's still a world with hope. When faced with the challenges that we find in life, we test ourselves and we find a way. We must find a way. They are telling a deep story about their struggles and the words are weapons when you don't have a gun. Don't keep it all pent up inside. No more silence. Speak. Scream. Say what you need to say. Share the story and live in your heart. And try not to live in your head so much. It's really quite amazing to see a play that's so current as the war still rages in the Ukraine. And this play deals directly with that and goes into great detail about some of the obstacles that the people are facing and also the reunion of this couple and it's all played out before us on stage. It's so immediate and very inspiring. I really, really love this play and I totally recommend it. So until next time, we'll catch up with you later. Bye-bye. <laughs>
We're back. We're back. We're back. Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Ruby. The bitch is back. <gasps> it's not 9 p.m. Ruby. Is bitch a swear word? Because I feel like they say it on um on the radio it's on this on television. Too late now. I guess. You um, fully commit. You, the you bitch is back. Down. You are doubling down. <laughs> um, that's real. Good for you. Confidence. Okay. Do you, do you have a story, Ruby? I, I feel do. like you have, have a story. story. This is a storytelling episode, guys. Incredible story. So the story that I'm going to tell you today is the story. The tale. The tale that I'm going to tell you is the tale of my great grandfather, William Bailey, a.k.a. Bill Bailey. This is my mother's mother's father. When he was 18, he went to fight in World War I. It was 1914. He was a young boy living in Australia. Originally born in England, but he, he immigrated to Australia to live with his uncle and work on his farm. His uncle was a mean man. He was cruel to his daughters. So my grandfather... You're really doing this yeah, really well. I am. Sorry, I just I to am. Say, okay, so continue. Bill decided, I need to get out of here. What's less cruel than my uncle... A world war. So he <laughs> so he, he was drafted in the war. And he flew all the way across the... Nope. He, oh, yeah. He was in Australia. And he went to Europe to fight in the war, wow. to fight on the side of the Brits. The good side to be on. Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> I was that, a little in, nervous in war, there. It was World War One, so it wasn't as, you know... Anyways, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> So he goes. <laughs> a lot going he on goes this episode. And Winston Churchill himself, the Prime Minister of England at the wow. time, he says, "The army is going to go, and they're going to fight on the mountain of Gallipoli in Turkey." So my great grandfather. William Bailey, Bill Name Bailey, <laughs> Bill Bales. he go Bill Bales, he goes and he fights, and him and a battalion of two hundred men they go to this mountain on Turkey, but it was a bad call by Winston Churchill, and the men get slaughtered. He, Bill Bailey, gets shot four times wow. on the battlefield yeah, like in his shoulder, in his hip in his knee and in his foot. He's lying on the battlefield and he's mistaken for dead. <gasps> then the Red Cross, I didn't understand how the Red Cross existed in Turkey, but it did. My grandmother didn't know this detail, but this is her story. The Red Cross comes and they take him to a hospital, but it's a prisoner of war hospital. So he's captured by the Turks. Oh my he's there, he's on the table. They're operating on him, taking the bullets out, but there's no anesthetic. So he lies there as they take each of the four bullets out of his body. Then he lies on the floor of the hospital for nine months while he gets better. Wow. When he's healed, he's still a prisoner of war. And there's no place to keep the prisoners. So they get the prisoners up on their feet and they make them march all day long. And they only give them yogurt and moldy bread to eat. And wow. at the time, yogurt was not a commercial item in the West. Like so the Vancouver housing crisis. Yeah. Well, um, so they give... That's a great segue into our next. <laughs> <laughs> so they give them yogurt and moldy bread. But at the time, yogurt was just considered to be sour milk. So no one wanted to eat the yogurt. Every day they were marching in the streets on only a stomach of moldy bread and yogurt. But no one wanted to eat the yogurt. So they would trade the bread for the yogurt. They'd Wait. say, Bill, you want to you eat the yogurt? You mean the yogurt for the bread? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So your go. grandpa was just eating like all the yogurt. Yeah, he was saying. like, this has all the nutrients in it. But everyone was like, this is gross. So they were like, if you give me your bread, I'll give you my yogurt. At the end of the war, he was a prisoner for two years. But he survived because he ate so much yogurt. He ate so much yogurt. And while he was away, his he was presumed dead. So sponsored by wow. Octavia. <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis, where you at? Jamie Lee <laughs> but his family thought he was dead. He was missing in action, and they had given up hope. Wow. When he returned, he wrote them a letter, the first letter they'd received from him in three years. And it said... This is Bill. I'm so excited to see you for Christmas. I can't wait to come home. And what was the most popular song at the time? Yogurt. No. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Something about yogurt. 
the most popular song at the time was called Won't You Come Home, Bill Bailey. And Bill wow. Bailey came home. What is it written With about? A stomach no, full it of just, yogurt. No, it was just a coincidence that that song that was is, the most popular song. That's like how your hero thing went. You isn't know? that? So that yeah, out. let's bring it all back to that. <laughs> but isn't that crazy, you guys? That was the most popular song. That is like the craziest coincidence. I've and ever he heard. came home. And my, my granny was saying, she was like, I think that like everyone in England was singing that song at the time. It was basically like Despacito. Like, Should remember how big Despacito was? No, why that comparison? <laughs> Not the World oh my God, War wait, One Despacito equivalent. You're wow. so right, and we're doing that. Are we but it was the most popular song of the time, so she thinks everyone was singing Won't You Come Home, Bill Bailey, and that, like, cosmically, it was like wow. he I'm came sure home because, I really like because that everyone idea, was... All, I know, right? All of Britain unknowingly manifested this man's yogurt survival. Yeah. I know. That's so true. Okay. All right. Oh, it's called Bill Bailey. Won't you please come home? Sorry. Please. Introducing Gatorade politely. Yeah, well, they are Brits. Yeah. Well, what if that ad is the Gatorade ad, but what if it was for activity? What if that would have been crazy? That, okay, now building. it's for Little Caesars, which is cheesy, so it's kind of dairy ish. No pun intended. Okay. Oh, Parmesan cheese and Italian Caesar. Okay. okay. So hyped. Oh, it's Ella Fitzgerald. Is, I don't know if it's a buy Ella Fitzgerald or if it's just a cover. Thank you. You're very kind. I think it's a jazz standard where like a lot of people do versions. So this is Bill Bailey, Won't You Please Come Home, the song that everyone was singing all those years that Bill Bailey was a prisoner of war. Isn't that crazy? That, that is, is crazy. crazy. Jinx. Whoa. <laughs> oh my god, we're getting a call. We're getting a call. We're getting a call. How do I answer it? Hello? 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 Hi, who's this call? Hello, who is this? Just loyal listener. Hi! Oh Amazing. my god! We have actual we listeners. What's your name? Welcome to CITR. I always listen to CITR. <laughs> and uh, you can't go wrong with Elephus Gerald, ever. There we go. Yes! There we go. I don't think it's possible. She sings like a bird. Absolutely. So what? I, I only just tuned in to hear the Bill Bailey story. Wow. Just heard the part about him being a prisoner of war. Yeah. I did not know that. I've known the song half my life at least. So there's some new information. Thank you. Well, I th- okay, so you tuned in halfway through. That is a story about my great grandfather whose name was Bill Bailey, but not the yeah, same Bill Bailey who that song was about. Wow. Yeah. So. It just so happened that that song was popular while he was away as a prisoner of war. And Bill Bailey did come home. So it, isn't that crazy? Where where was he prisoner? He was prisoner in Turkey. He was taken captured. Um, uh, he was taken prisoner uh, during the Battle of Gallipoli during World War I. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he made it back. And he made it back. His family thought he was dead. He was MIA for two years. And this is all pre-Geneva Convention stuff, too, right? Where anything could have happened. Oh, Ooh. yeah. They would... Well, the how they held him is they, they, didn't, they didn't have a place to keep the prisoners of war, so they would march them around Turkey, only feeding them moldy bread and yogurt. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, know. I, I know a guy I knew. He's passed away now. He was a German POW. He was a Nazi youth. Because he grew up in Germany, and that's what he became, right? Wow. And he immediately got taken prisoner, like, the first battle he was in. And he said it was so much better than being in the army because uh, <laughs> they were skeptical, of course, because they were taken out of Germany into the U.S. and uh, shipped on a train, and they were given this you know, platter full of sandwiches. Everyone What? Did. 
Yeah, yeah. They were, they were like stared, stared at so the camera. So he... He was he was in America. He was he was an American. Well, he was no, a, he was a German. Yeah, but but he was taken prisoner by 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 the Brits. By who? By Americans. By Americans, by Americans and they treated them that well. Eh? And brought back to uh, the east coast of the U.S. And uh, like I said, they're on this train. The sandwiches come around. Everyone's looking at them like they're trying to, they're going to poison us, they're killing us. <laughs> With this, this is how it happened. Until someone ate one. They all watched this guy for like 10 minutes and then they just devoured the sandwiches. <laughs> when he didn't die, yeah, it was like, and he said, it was like, because it was the end of the war when he got caught and it was very hard to get provisions to the front. It was, uh, you know, they were barely being kept alive in trying to fight for Germany. So it was like prisoner of war was kind of the best thing that ever happened to him. Oh and, my you know, God. You know, the ideology, whatever, you know, I don't, think he extolled those views, not the person that I knew anyway, yeah. especially in his life in his 70s and 80s, but uh, uh, it, he was a tremendous person. He made, like, mobiles for my children, <laughs> my, my wife, her sister. When they were children, they got mobiles. I have a stained glass lamp that was a wedding gift. Uh, it you, him and his wife were tremendous, tremendous people. Right. Marianne still lives. She's in her 90s. I have a Christmas stolen recipe from her that is <laughs> absolutely delicious. Lovely. And so we, so our assumption is that he did not carry on these Nazi ideals. Oh, no. That's our assumption. I mean, once, once you're in the States and you see the other side, I think yeah. it was like, because he was a kid. He was not, you know, he was 18. Yeah. When he was Right? Did he ever talk about what it was like to be? I, I never dealt that. No, that, he was a, a friend of the family's, right? So I never got into that type of. Uh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Wow. A good sandwich can really change someone's perspective. Yeah, like, a good American-made sandwich. I, I did uh, hear that. Uh, you know, it's it kind of they kind of did. Some of the family did follow kind of a white nationalist. Oh God. <laughs> Oh, jeez. Uh, well, they left Germany because they didn't like that. So they went to, like, uh, Zimbabwe or, you know. The, oh, interesting. You know, South Africa. And then things went bad there. So they moved over there. I'm like, oh, jeez, okay, well. Wow. Yeah. All right, well, sir, what is your name? You never gave me your name. Alan. Alan? Um, well, Alan, yeah. thank you so much for calling in. Um, this uh, we, we're ending our support now because it's going to be six o'clock in about 40 seconds. But thank you so much for calling in. Like this is a call to the, anyone listening. We love when people call in. So it's 604. I, I people picked up the phone because for a couple of years there, no one was picking up. No the one was picking it up. You picked the right day. Well, you picked the right day because She's I love what you're putting down. I, I, yeah, I love a caller. Thank you so much, Alan, for calling in. Thank you to the listener. I hope if you're driving home from work right now, you're going to go eat something really delicious for dinner, like a quesadilla or like some butter chicken. Fried chicken. Oh, yeah. What are you going to have, Alan, for dinner? Church's. Church's chicken. I'll plug it right now because it's awesome. It is. The they, just, they just changed their design as well. Oh yeah, they re- yeah. they're they're renovating. They are. Are you going to the one on Main Street? I guess maybe don't give away your location to the that's, listener. That's really actually, good I don't care. Fraser Forty One. I don't care. Fraser Forty One. We'll see you there. Thanks so much, Alan. Um, and 